Guys, today I'm going to be in Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 57 through 66 in the NIV version. So you can go ahead and go there. But as you go on there, I want to give you some background around what's happening and what's going on. So in the beginning of, of Luke chapter 1, we see we get introduced to this, to this priestly couple, Elizabeth and Zechariah. And it's said that God saw them as, as righteous. They were, were righteous people. Uh, their rhythms, their, their, their weekly habits and disciplines, man, it was pleasing uh, unto the Lord. They were older and they had been praying for a child, particularly for, for a son. But because of their age, it almost seemed like it was, it was impossible that it wouldn't happen. So Zechariah was in the service and in the division that would go and would help uh, serve in the temple. So his division got chosen to go and to serve. And as they got there, Zechariah actually was one of the ones, as they were choosing lots, that got picked to go into the temple. Now, this was a special occasion, and it was also um, very uncommon, right, for, for an individual to get picked to go into there. So he gets to go in, and he gets to minister before the Lord, and he gets to burn incense. So as he goes in, there is something unexpected that happens. An angel of the Lord comes and begins to share some news with Zechariah. He says, your prayers have been heard. Your prayers have been heard. And he begins to tell them, your wife is going to have a son. You're to name him John. He starts telling him all of these things that he's going to do and how they are to help raise him and grow him up into who the Lord wants him to become. Now, Zechariah is hearing this. He's challenged, right? He's like, how is this going to happen? He's thinking about his reality. He's thinking about the age of his wife. And as he says that, the angel says, hey, man, I stand in the presence of the Lord. Like what I'm saying to you is, is factual. This is not something that I'm saying could happen. But what I'm saying to you, these things are going to happen. And because you have responded in disbelief, I'm going to silence you and you'll only regain your voice when this child is born. And so the people are waiting outside for Zechariah. They see that he's in there a little bit longer than normal. And he comes out and he's unable to speak. And he's trying to um, get a tablet and, and, and write and explain to them what happened. But they just can't understand what's what's happened, what's going on. So he ends up. Uh, spending the rest of his time there serving. And then him and his wife, they return back home. And then months later, Elizabeth, she falls pregnant. And this is where we, where we enter into the story. So Elizabeth, she falls pregnant, and then she goes into a, a time and in, in, in a place of seclusion. And this is where we're going to pick up here in Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 57. It said, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby... She gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. 
He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. God, we thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you that your word is alive and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It's dividing bone from marrow, soul from spirit. It's judging and discerning the thoughts of our hearts. We thank you that we can trust in your word. Holy Spirit, would you come and minister to us through your word? You know the time that we're in, the season that we're in. You know what's going on in our lives individually, but also collectively. Would you come and do a work in us? Our hearts are open. We ask these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, I'm going to spend the next couple of weeks talking about patience and promise. Patience and promise. I think these two things go hand in hand. And I believe maybe many of us, we are in a place of waiting on a promise to be fulfilled in our own lives. Maybe not in our own lives, but, but for other people, for our family, for friends. And it is, it is requiring a, a patience in us. And I think in the scripture today, we see a couple and God is doing something and moving in their life. They've been praying for something to happen and God answers their prayer. So there's a personal prayer, but it's collected. It's, it's connected to, to a, 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 a bigger prayer request. People are crying out to be saved. They're crying out for a savior, for salvation. And he uses the, the personal prayer of this couple and gives them a promise of a son who would come and prepare the way for the savior. But I think their interaction, their respond, how they how they moved and how they engaged with everything that was happening during this time, I think is a beautiful picture for us. And I think there's some things that we can take away from their journey. The scripture says when it was time. So there was a time that the promise would manifest itself. This this baby that was promised to Zachariah and Elizabeth, there was a there was a time for it to come into existence. And along with that time, there was a process. Oftentimes, we get a promise from God and we want it to happen overnight. Even as we read in the scripture, it says that the angel spoke, you're going to have a baby. And in a couple of scriptures later, the baby is born. And, and in our minds, we think it happens that quickly. But there was a, a process there was a process in order for the promise of this child to be birthed. And when we try to skip the process or we want to miss stages within the process, we end up with a promise that is not matured. We end up with a, a promise that is not developed. And so Elizabeth had to go through a process there was something that needed to happen with, with her body to be able to birth this child. And along in this process, there were things that were, they weren't comfortable. There was discomfort. 
There was a lot of things that, that were happening, and it required her patience. She had to be patient. She had to posture herself in a way that she wasn't moved by the things that were going on around her in the reality of circumstances and situations, but her patience allowed for the promise to come into its fulfillment. But there was a time. There was a time for this child to be birthed. And the scripture says this child, the time was now. And this child was born. And this child was a, was a, a, a young man. And Elizabeth begins to see this, this, this promise that was spoken to her husband, Zachariah, begin to, begin to come and take place. And the people in the community around her, they're saying, wow, the Lord has shown Elizabeth great mercy. We know her. We know her story. We know her circumstance. We know her situation. She's older. She's seasoned. <laughs> this isn't supposed to be happening and taking place in her body. So they're saying the Lord has showed great compassion. He's been kind to her. He's, he's showed mercy to her. He's been generous to her. This is something that usually doesn't take place. So they are acknowledging the hand of God in her situation. They're saying this is something supernatural. This is something that they wouldn't be able to do in their own strength, but they recognize and they see that something is going on beyond uh, what is normal. And they said because of this, they shared in her joy. So there weren't people that were envious, hating on her, saying, I should, <laughs> you too old to be having a baby. We don't hear any of that stuff. It said that they, they shared in her joy. So we see a promise being fulfilled that has taken patience for it to come. We see a community that's celebrating collectively around what's happening. And now we see the faithfulness of this couple. Remember, I called them a priestly couple earlier. So they, they followed the instructions that, that their people had been given for generations. They waited on the eighth day to circumcise their son. And so they were, they were righteous people. <laughs> they followed the instructions of the Lord. They were obedient. And this was very meaningful for, the, for them and to their people. Circumcision, it was an, an outward physical expression and, and sign that spoke into an internal, an internal covenant that God had with his people. And so they are moving into this act they are doing the things that they're supposed to do. They believe that this is very symbolic and very, and very meaningful. And what had happened over the years, because of the instruction of the Lord and because of the value that the people placed on their covenant with the Lord and the consistency of this value, it became a part of their culture. So now we see some instruction that has been given by the Lord that, that is a physical sign of his covenant with them. And we see a value being lived out that now becomes a part of their culture. It became so embedded into their culture that to be circumcised was to be Jewish and to be Jewish was to be circumcised. We even see later on as Gentiles are coming into the faith, they're struggling and they're wrestling with this idea of, of circumcision because the, 
the Hebrew believers, they were saying, no, even to, to be considered a Christian or believer, this thing must happen. This is non-negotiable. So there were debates and things that happened. So Elizabeth and Zechariah, tradition and customs and values is meaningful to them and, and their family. Not only was this meaningful, but the naming of the child was also important. And it wasn't just them <laughs> that was responsible for the name, but it was, it was a collective decision that was made by their family. And they, this child would get a family name that would represent the family. And so not only does he get circumcised, but then they suggest the name. They said, you should call him Zachariah. That's his father's name. Let's call him this. And so we see these things coming into play from the family, these customs and traditions that they are believing in. But we see God has given them some, some different instruction. I remember when my wife, uh, Kimberly, was pregnant. She was, she was in the late stages, seven or eight months uh, into her first pregnancy. And, and all she talked about was how uncomfortable she was. <laughs> Day and night, night and day is all that I heard come out of her mouth was about how uncomfortable she was. And man, she looked miserable. She was, I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody in my life look this miserable. Have you ever seen somebody on the side of the street or you walking somewhere? You're like, this is a miserable looking person. Like, let me go give them an ice lolly and a hug to help, to help cheer them up. They, the countenance is just off. My wife was looking this way, carrying our, our child. She was so uncomfortable. I felt like her, her, her personal reporter, there was, I was a journalist keeping a, a, a catalog of, <laughs> of her life and how, this, how uncomfortable she was. So this is the conversation that we were having as she's in this seven to eight month pregnancy. And she became so uncomfortable that she couldn't even lay down at night, like sleeping parallel. It became so uncomfortable that she couldn't, she couldn't close her eyes. I was lucky enough to, uh, get, a, to get a chair from my friend, uh, that we, a recliner that we had put in our, in our living area. Uh, still to this day, I haven't lived it down. The, the Kimberly tells me it was the ugliest looking thing in our house. But in this season, the ugliest looking thing in our house was her salvation. It was her savior. It was the only chair in the house that she could go and sit in at night when she was getting uncomfortable and to be able to get some rest and to close her eyes. So she's literally had gotten so uncomfortable that she was sleeping, sitting up in a chair. She was carrying the promise of our child, our firstborn. And there was a process that she was involved in. And man, how she wished that she could skip some of the process. Her being in this uncomfortable phase in month seven and, and, and month eight was a part of the process. It wasn't something that she could skip but it was something that she had to go through. 
And to go through this part of the process required patience. It required her being patient. It required her being in a place and saying, I can't control what's going on. And I have to let go of my ways, my thoughts, the timing that I think needs to happen, when I think needs to happen, my level of comfort. I have to let go of all of these things. Let the process continue to take its place and be okay. She had to posture herself in that way for the promise to come into fulfillment. This is what Elizabeth had to do. This wasn't a, a promise that just happened overnight, but there was a process that took place in order for this child to be born. Even before they got the promise, they were praying and believing for God to do something in their life, and they had to be patient. They had to posture themselves in the reality and the challenges and the circumstances that were going on in their life in order for this thing to happen and to take place. So the family makes a suggestion and they say, you should name him after his dad. You should call him Zachariah. And then the mother speaks. For generations, mothers have been using their voices to help lead and guide and direct and channel sons and daughters into their purpose and into their destiny. Elizabeth wasn't even the one in the temple when the instructions were being given about the son that she was supposed to have. But yet she's there and she's she's fighting. She's fighting for her son and for his for his purpose. And she's fighting in conditions that aren't ideal for her. She's in an environment and she's in a society where her voice is not respected. Her voice is not validated. Her voice is, is not seen with value. But yet she is still speaking up. She doesn't allow the environment and the circumstances to keep her voice from being heard. And the powerful thing about her voice was not just this, the, the voice in itself, but it was what the voice aligned with. It was when her voice aligned with what God was saying is that that is where the authority lied. That is where there was power in what she was saying. So it didn't matter what everybody else was saying because she was speaking the word of the Lord. And there was the authority. So she's able to, in this environment, that values custom, that values tradition, that says, no, this is the way that we, we do things. She's able to use her voice to say, no, we're not going to name this child Zachariah, but his name is supposed to be John. This is what his name is supposed to be. She's fighting for his destiny. She's fighting for his purpose. And a family, they hear these things and they're like, what are you talking about? There ain't nobody in our family named John. John? This child ain't going to be named John. <laughs> We're going to name this child after his father. Who do you think you are to come against our customs and our traditions and our value 
Why are you trying to do something outside of what normally happens? So they're questioning Elizabeth's voice. They're questioning their minds what she's saying. They're questioning what's happening and, 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 and what's going on. This doesn't make sense to them. They, they, I could even see them thinking, maybe she's saying this because her husband is unable to talk. Maybe she's using this as an opportunity to take advantage of the situation. So they're questioning what she is saying. They, they, they don't understand why she's doing, out, doing something outside of, their, outside of their norm. This is not the way that we, that we do stuff. But when God comes and he speaks, he disrupts the confines of people's thoughts. He disrupts the boxes that people think in. He is doing something different. He is doing something unique. And it starts with the name of this child. And she's speaking with boldness and she's speaking with courage and she's speaking and she's allowing her voice to be heard. They even go to they even go to Zachariah and they say, hey, man, what do you think? This dude can't even speak. But but they're going to to him and they're trying to they're trying to pit the two of them against each other. Right. Your wife has said this, but what do you say? So they bring him a tablet. This man can't even talk, but they bring him a tablet so, so he can potentially write something different. This would have been seen as, as even disrespectful what Elizabeth is doing. They're trying to name this child after his father. How wrong is this? You don't want this child to be named to carry his father's name. So they go and they ask Zechariah. And Zechariah, he takes the tablet and he begins to write. And he writes down his name is John. He confirms what the Lord says. Not only does he confirm what the Lord says and come into agreement with what Elizabeth has spoken, but he is also affirming Elizabeth's voice. He is also saying her voice is valid and it's of value and it's important and it's significant. And you should listen to what she's saying and what she has to say because it's right. So there's something supernatural that's taking place as, as God is getting ready to send his son. And John is the one to prepare the way. But he's also teaching us and helping us understand the value of a woman's voice. And we see a woman fighting for the destiny of her children. And we see her husband affirming what she is saying. You heard me share earlier about uh, my wife and our first pregnancy and our experience that we went through. And I know different people. Their journey is a little bit different in regards to whether they want to know what the gender is. Some people wait until the baby's born. Some people want to go early. They have these gender reveal parties, all of this stuff. It gets messy. So you have people <laughs> that will come and tell you what they desire for you. Uh, some people even come and they, they, they do what I call profiline. 
So they prophesy to you about the gender of your, of your baby. So it, it gets messy, but that's okay. Um, so I had my own kind of agenda and idea in my mind of what I wanted to happen and the gender of the child that I wanted to have first. Right, so I thought to myself, I want to have a daughter first, then I want to have a son, then I want to have a daughter, then I want to have a son, then I want to have a daughter. <laughs> my numbers, they did not work out. My numbers in the order of gender, <laughs> it didn't work out. It didn't work out for me. And so we end up finding out what the gender of the baby is. It's, it's a boy. But I had made this deal with my wife, Kimberly, that if it's a boy, you can name him. <laughs> but if it's a girl, I get to name the girl. I was so confident. I was so sure that it was going to be a girl. I even had my mom in my corner. We were, we were convinced that this baby that was coming was going to be a baby girl. Even my mom was buying um, little girls' baby clothes. That is how confident we were that this thing was going to happen, only to find out that a beautiful baby boy was coming. And so I go to Kimberly, and I'm trying to renegotiate our deal. I want to get into this naming thing now, and I'm thinking, Hey, this is my first son. Let me call him Monty. I need, a, I need some juniors out here in the world. Doesn't that sound good, Monty Jr.? <laughs> but she, she, didn't, she didn't budge. And during this time when we were actually talking through this thing, she was reminded of an encounter that she had with God when she was a little girl. There were these popular dolls when she was growing up. They were called Cabbage Patch Dolls. I think there was like a cartoon on television at that time, but you would get these dolls in a box and they would have a name on them. So she thinks she had two of them, but on one of the boxes, it was a, a, a boy and his name was Caleb, but it was Caleb spelt with a C. God encountered her and said, one day you're going to have a son and when you have a son, you're to name your child Caleb, but I want you to change the, the spelling of the name from a C to a K. Now, here is a young girl. She was not a Christian. She was not a part of a spiritual community. There was no church going or any of that stuff for her. But God is encountering her and speaking to her about the future and about a promise that he had for her. And in the midst of this pressure within our culture that we lived in for the father to name the son, Right. Our, our, our people would say, don't take that away from your your husband. Don't take that away from the father to be able to name his son. In the midst of this, she was able to stand strong and use her voice and say, but no, but this is what the Lord has spoke. This is what the Lord has said about this child, about his purpose, about his destiny, about who he is to who he is to become. And I was able to come into agreement and to affirm what she was saying and to come together. And we begin to fight together for his purpose and for his name and everything that will flow out of his life. This is what is happening with Elizabeth and Zachariah. God has given them some specific instruction and a specific name and they're going against the grain. 
the grain of the culture, the grain of tra tradition. There's some disruption that is happening, but it's all a part of this promise that is being fulfilled that is taking them having patience. As, as Zechariah writes on the tablet, his name is John, his mouth is open. And another version of the scripture said his tongue is loosed. It's interesting that when he writes down on a tablet, when he comes in agreement with what he first was in disbelief about, he regains his voice. He was the one in the temple that said, how is this going to happen? I don't see how this is going to this is going to take place in my circumstance and in, in, in my reality, in, in the age that we're in, in the season of life that we're in. I, I don't see this happening. And maybe you find yourself in the same place. Maybe it's not your age. Maybe it's where you're from. Maybe it's the country that you've grown up in, the city, the area. There's some realities in your life and God has given you a promise, but you are moving in disbelief because you can't see beyond your circumstance. But God is not caught off guard by your circumstance. God knew your circumstance before he gave the promise. I want to say that again. God knew your circumstance before he gave the promise. What he needs you to do is to believe in what he's saying. Zechariah responded in disbelief. And the angel of the Lord said, I'm going to silence you because you're not aligning your words with this promise that I've given you. And only when this child is born will your mouth be opened again. And it's only when Zechariah writes down his name as John that he regains his voice. He regains his voice. What are the things in your life? What are the promises in your life? That you've lost your voice. Because you have chose to move in disbelief. Because you have chosen. To center your circumstance, because you've chosen to center your challenge, because you've chosen to to center your situation, you've chosen to center your reality over the promises of God. God's promises aren't slaves to where we find ourselves at. Zachariah's mouth is open. And out of his mouth comes praise. It's not, hey, now let me explain to y'all what happened when I couldn't talk let me, let me tell y'all what really happened. He wasn't critical of the Lord. He didn't say this was unfair. He doesn't start talking about all these other different things. Out of his mouth comes praise. Out of his mouth comes adoration for the Lord. Out of his mouth comes honor. Out of his mouth comes an expression of generosity and kindness and reverence for God. As soon as his mouth is open, this is what comes out is praise. 
He has realized the promise and now has responded in praise. And it's said that the people, when they heard him praise, when they saw how he was responding and what was coming out of his mouth, that they were filled with awe. It's interesting that they weren't filled with awe that an older woman was having a baby, but they were filled with awe by the praise that was coming out of Zechariah's mouth that had been closed. They were filled with awe because they said something is happening. Something is different. God is moving. God is speaking. We, we, we in something, God, there's a, there's, a, there's a shift that's taking place. Who is this child? Who is this child going to be? What is God going to do with his life? We see the hand of God on him. What is going on? What's taking place? And the word began to spread throughout the, the region of Judea because of the praise of Zechariah. Here's my challenge for us today. One is will we be a people of patience? Patience is not the same thing as waiting. And waiting is not the same thing as patience. I can be waiting and not be patient. <laughs> I can be waiting and be frustrated. I can be waiting and be irritated. I could be waiting and wanting to kick somebody and tear something down because things aren't happening the way that I want them to happen. Patience is a posture. Patience is a fruit of the spirit. Patience says that there's some things around me that I cannot control. There are things around me, there are situations, there are circumstances, there are people, there are relationships, there are environments, there are cultures, there are values. And I can't control them, but I'm going to posture myself in a place where I'm going to let go of what I can't control and allow the peace of God to flood my mind and my heart and let patience sustain me. Let it sustain me through the difficult times. Let it sustain me in my discomfort. Let it sustain me when things aren't happening and going the way that I want them to go. Let me let go of it and be patient. Because God, you have made me a promise. And I believe in your promise regardless of my condition. I believe in your promise regardless of what I'm seeing and what I'm experiencing in the moment. So I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be steadfast. I'm going to be unmovable. I'm going to allow the spirit to come and do a work in me. Can we be a people of patience? And as we're a people of patience and we allow the process to take its place. May we be a people of promise. God's promises are yes and amen. May we believe in them with assurity. May we believe in them without any uncertainty. May we believe in them without flinching. May we hold on to them tightly, regardless of what we see happening and taking place around us. His promises are not slaves 
to our condition. May we hold on to his promises. And as we see them coming, as we see them happening, as we see them come to fruition, may we be a people of praise. May praise come from our lips. Not critique, not trying to explain things, but our adoration and our love and our honor and our reverence for the Lord. In this season, as we focus on the birth of Christ, man, I can imagine the people who are crying out for a Savior waiting patiently in hope of a promise that would come and would give them life. May we carry that same spirit in this season. May we carry that same DNA. May we be a people of patience and promise. Bow your heads, I want to pray with you. God, we thank you. We thank you for for pictures like this, stories like this in the scripture where we can see you at work. God, may it strengthen us, may it give us confidence to keep believing in you, to keep being thankful for what you're doing. God, let let it help us move in patience. Let it help us be a people of patience. God, let us us wait upon you. And even when it doesn't look like things aren't happening and moving, may the fruit of your spirit be evident in our life. And may it impact the people around us. May it impact communities. And may it serve people well. God, we're thankful for your promises and the ones that you have spoken, not ones that we've we've made up or we've taken and we've grabbed and tried to put in our pockets, but the ones you have spoken. We wait patiently for you to bring them to pass. We love you. We honor you. We ask all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. I want to pray for you today. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, man, he loves you. He died for you so that you could have life and he desires a relationship with you. Maybe as you're watching, you're feeling something happening, going on inside. Maybe you don't even have the words to express it. That's the Holy Spirit helping you understand and realize your need for him in your life. Man, I pray that you say yes today. Yes to relationship with him. Yes to his will. Yes to his way. Yes to his governance in your life. He loves you. He's not trying to harm you. He wants what's best for you. He wants you to live a life full of purpose and destiny. So, God, I thank you for the yes. Thank you that you're even engaging with them right now. They can feel your tangible presence. And God, we say we love them. (laughs) We celebrate as the angels in, in heaven are rejoicing in this moment. We say thank you, Lord. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. If you make that decision today, we'd love to to get connected with you. Man, don't do life alone. Don't do life isolated. But God has made us, he's created us for us to to be in community. We'd love to to be there for you. So there's a couple of ways we want to do that. One is going to be a WhatsApp number 
It's going to pop up on the screen. You can simply message that number if you're here locally, and one of our team will follow up with you. You can also go to our website. There's a link that's going to come on the screen that will take you to our website. You can fill that out, uh, and one of our team will also follow up with you. And then there are people in the chat. They are waiting for you to, to message, throw a hand up, whatever, and just pray with you and seal this thing uh, that has happened in your heart today. And so please, we, we, we love to make contact with you in one of those ways. And if you are visiting today, as I mentioned earlier, we love to, to make contact with you and see how we can, we can connect and learn more about your story. Man, thank you so much uh, for allowing me to share today. I'm excited as we continue this journey of talking about patience and promise. Uh, and I believe God will really use it over these next couple of weeks to, to minister to us.